Welcome to the Daily Boogie. It's not fair. We have all these horrible trade imbalances. They take such advantage, they're not taking advantage anymore, folks. Under Republican leadership, America is winning again. America is respected again because we are putting America first. We're putting America first. It hasn't happened in a lot of decades. We're putting them first. We're taking care of ourselves for a change, folks. Thank you. I like that guy, but not that much. <laughs> not that much. But radical Democrats want to turn back the clock. Restore the rule of corrupt, power-hungry, Globalists. You know what a globalist is, right? You know what a globalist is. A globalist is a person that wants the globe to do well, frankly, not caring about our country so much. And you know what? We can't have that. You know, they have a word. It sort of became old-fashioned. It's called a nationalist. And I say, really, we're not supposed to use that word. You know what I am? I'm a nationalist, okay? I'm a nationalist. National. Nothing else. Use that word. Use that word. That was Donald Trump last night in his rally in Houston, a rally which saw around 100,000 people trying to get tickets, about 22,000 in the stadium while Donald Trump was speaking, and the corporate media predictably declaring that this was once again the rise of the Third Reich. Well, the Fourth Reich. It's hard to keep count these days. Thanks for joining us, everyone, by the way. Daily Boogie, another big week ahead. Thanks to everyone who tuned in to our special live event yesterday. Hope you enjoyed yourself. I certainly did. If you would like to keep up, uh, please follow me on Twitter, at Boogie Bumper. If you would like to support the show, please hit the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And if you'd like to become a financial supporter, please head over to patreon.com forward slash Boogie Bumper. So... During uh, President Trump's speech yesterday, you know, when he said this, there was obviously there was obviously a lot of commotion, and we did make a particular prediction after the show, and I'm just going to let that roll for you now. Just a, just a little bit of self-aggrandizement, if I may. A historic night in Houston as President Donald Trump packs the Toyota Center completely. Incredible. That was probably one of the most high-energy ones I think I've watched, and I've watched a few of them. I, I just can't wait for the press tomorrow. Uh, today, it's probably already starting. All you'll hear about... Here's a prediction for you. All you will hear about is Donald Trump praises nationalism. Donald Trump uses nationalist rhetoric 
and they'll drag out the exact same panels of experts that they brought out in 2015 and 2016. This is very Hitlerian language. Nationalism has caused more death and destruction than just about any ideology on the face of planet Earth. You watch. It's, it's probably already happening right now. They are already sending copy to the editor's room. <laughs> they are already writing the scripts for the shows tonight on cable news. I'm certain. Of this, I'm certain. And that was fun. Thanks for joining us, everyone. To take... So we are going to go over a couple of the responses today. That was directly after the speech last night. So just so you know the timing of all this. But just before we get into a couple of the responses, you know, there's some things that we need to iron out here. And why it's why the why the concept, the abstract concept of nationalism is such an affront to many people. Now, obviously you can take the particularly shallow view which unfortunately too many people do these days, and say, well, the whole problem with nationalism is it's carried with negative connotations from World War II and, of course, Adolf Hitler. Of course, the issue with that is uh, Adolf Hitler wasn't the only nationalist. There was an article in the, in the Huffington Post, HuffPo, stakes couldn't be higher. Critics slam Trump for saying he's a nationalist. And then a bunch of people on Twitter are quoted here. One particular comment here from Victoria Brownworth. She says, and I quote, quoting Donald Trump, you know what I am? I'm a nationalist, okay? Nationalist, use that word, use that word. She then follows it up with her own commentary. I guess it's com it's coming out day for the Nazis. <laughs> It would be sad if if we were in a place now where the modern-day progressive just assumed all people who declare themselves to be nationalists are also, by definition, Nazis. Especially when you consider that the people who were fighting against the Nazis in World War II were also nationalists. Yeah, this idea that someone is a nationalist and therefore they are a member of the National Socialist Workers' Party is completely absurd. I, I just wonder, what do the patriotic Democrats do now? Where are they to go now in all of this? If you're someone who puts your nation first. Let's go to Don Lemon and see what he thinks. This is CNN Tonight. I'm Don Lemon. The president back on the campaign trail tonight, and he casually made a surprisingly candid admission. A globalist is a person that wants the globe to do well, frankly, not caring about our country so much. And you know what? We can't have that. You know, they have a word. It sort of became old-fashioned. It's called a nationalist. And I say, really, we're not supposed to use that word. You know what I am? I'm a nationalist, okay? I'm a nationalist. National. Nothing else. Use that word. Use that word. <laughs> wow. 
of course, the the feigned, the faux bemusement, the <laughs> the confusion. Like it's it's very exaggerated. The eyebrows are high. It's you know the half laugh under your breath. The delayed wow. Like this is some kind of very extreme foreign concert. How could you, Donald? How could you say such a thing? I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. Let's carry on. I'm a nationalist. Mm-hmm. Nationalist. Use that <laughs> Repeats word. Repeats term. We're going to talk about that word tonight. It is a favorite of the alt-right. Oh. It- <laughs> so the term nationalist is now the stomping ground of the alt-right. It's a favorite of the alt-right. This, of course, implies that to be a nationalist, you must, of course, only be on the right. And worse than that, the alt-right. I wonder how the people of China now feel very nationalist country, very nationalist regime, very nationalist and militarily expansive regime of China. I wonder how they feel now being lumped into the alt-right. Or perhaps the people of Vietnam, for example. Very nationalist is Vietnam. Maybe the people of Cuba. Perhaps even Mexico. These are all now merely a statistic in the ranks of the alt-right in America, allegedly. Let's carry on with Don. It's loaded with nativist and racial undertones. And- uh, nationalist is loaded with racist undertones. Now, what is an undertone in, in terms of political writing, political speech? I guess you would call it a, a kind of subtext. It's a current of thought that carries throughout a piece of writing or a speech and allow, you know, rhetoric then bubbles and fizzes on top of it. You know, various rhetorical jumping off points come from this subtext of a speech. It's also, you know, by using the term undertone, it's also a great way of expressing your inference that you perceive your emotional reaction to a particular piece of writing or speech. And as Don Lemon proves here, without having to qualify that with any kind of evidence whatsoever. Globalists, well, globalists have been used as a slur of of sorts, sometimes even against those in the administration. So there's no qualification there of why the term nationalist carries racist undertones. It's just said and we move on. You're just to believe it, that the term itself carries a racist undertone. A couple of interesting thoughts came to me when watching all of this unfold, like we knew it would, like we predicted that it would. And people on the hard left, the activist left, and in many sections of the media, they are not against the concept of identity at all. In fact, they are identitarians in the purest sense of the word. People who constantly attack the concept of having pride in one's national identity themselves promote and celebrate and protect and demand protection for all other forms of identity in this era of identity politics. Think about it gender identity, racial identity, political identity, sexual identity, 
cultural identity, and so on and so forth. All of these groups of identities, all of these lines to be drawn within the nation, because the concept of national identity is so abhorrent, so disgusting. But all of these subgroups of a nation may and should and will form their own identity. And these should be pushed to the forefront. Every possible line of division along identity politic lines is to be defended and promoted and celebrated ad nauseum. But the one kind of identity, national identity, which would unify all of these groups behind a single banner, behind a single cause, behind a single identity, well, that's to be destroyed. That's to be attacked. You're an evil person if you want all of the subgroups to be united in a common goal, in a common cause. E pluribus unum. This is Hitlerian. This is racist undertones. One might argue it has exactly the opposite. Despite all that, the message is clear. Your pride in your national identity is evil. It's disgusting. It's deplorable. Your identity is defined only in terms of hatred of everyone else's. But everyone else's chosen identity group, a subgroup within the nation, is united against yours. And that's the way it should be. That's what should be promoted. You don't have a team that's viable. You don't have a team that's valid. You're merely another object to be subjugated, to be cast into one of the groups that are constantly being divided up into increasingly small intersectional slots. And the one thing that you all have in common is the most evil thing that you can all experience. That's the lesson. MSNBC also had something to say on this topic. Let's have a listen. That word, you know what I am? I'm a nationalist, okay? I'm a nationalist. Nationalist. Nothing else. Use that word. Use that word. Okay, so President Trump wants us all to call him a nationalist and not a globalist. I want to break this down for you. Merriam-Webster defines globalism <laughs> as a national policy of treating the whole world as a proper sphere for political influence. Many Trump backers think globalism is a bad thing. A nationalist believes uh, in uh, nationalism. Encyclopedia Britannica defines it as an ideology based on the premise that the individual's loyalty and devotion to the nation state surpass other individual or group interests but more now the first thing I, I thought when I watched that was why did he use the Miriam Webster definition of globalism and then the Encyclopedia Britannica definition of nationalism I thought that's a little odd so I went to Miriam Webster myself and looked for the definition of nationalism and there are two provided. One says identification with one's own nation and support for its interests, especially to the exclusion or detriment of the interests of other nations, which I think is somewhat debatable. But then the second definition provided here, 
advocacy or of or support for the political independence of a particular nation or people. That's a little harder to sell as supremacy. See, the problem with constantly equating nationalism with supremacy or white supremacy or whichever supremacy you want, because again, we've already established that there are nationalists all over the world in different parts of the world of all different colours and creeds. The problem with trying to equate it to supremacy is it fundamentally contradicts the definition of nationalism. Because if you are indeed a nationalist, then you believe in all nations' rights to exist. All nations' rights to defend their sovereignty. All nations' rights to try and achieve more. When people say Donald Trump's nationalism is to the exclusion of all others, that in of itself implies that it is America's job to raise all other nations. Like this is somehow some kind of unspoken rule in world politics. And whilst globalism has itself many definitions that are thrown around from day to day, one might say the election of Donald Trump was a rejection of various aspects of American-led globalism throughout the last half of the last century. For example, wasn't that long ago when realism or real politic, realism in an international foreign relations sense, was not only the policy of the United States government, it was celebrated. People like Zbigniew Brzezinski, people like Henry Kissinger, were more than happy to tell you why it was important to have a direct controlling influence over the grand chessboard, which is the Middle East, remove governments, install dictators, all for the purpose of maintaining America's global supremacy, particularly over energy reserves in the area. So I guess what makes it different now is now you're being told that it's it's kind of a happy, it's a happy globalism. It's a friendly globalism. It's a globalism that isn't destabilizing entire regions. It's a globalism that isn't bringing death and destruction to millions of innocent people in various parts of the world. No, no, no. This new globalism, it's all about unity. It's got nothing to do with unelected bureaucracies, controlling economies, controlling trade routes, dictating terms to sovereign nations. It's got nothing to do with that. No, 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 no. But opposition to that, to this new happy, rosier form of globalism that we're now promoting, opposition to that, well, that's just Adolf Hitler. That's just racism. That's xenophobia. How dare you? Part of the reason that Donald Trump got elected is because for reasons real or perceived, a large number of Americans saw that they were losing control of their national sovereignty in so much as things like the international trade federations, global climate change tax collection plates, which they are forced to pay into, when previous governments sign up to these kinds of international treaties. And Donald Trump presented the option, hey, why don't we wind it back? Why don't we put our country first? 
is this racist? Well, let's let the guys on MSNBC explain why. More importantly, President Trump has a ton of support from white nationalists, and that's a very different thing. <laughs> Merriam-Webster's definition defines a white nationalist as one of a group of militant whites who espouse white supremacy and advocate enforced racial segregation. So, of course, it's obvious here trying to link the term nationalism with white nationalism. When Donald Trump made no comment whatsoever about white nationalism, there might be white nationalists that support him. I'm sure there's all kinds of people that support him, good or otherwise. MSNBC brought out the expert to, to give his take on Donald Trump's comments on nationalism. Can be dangerous. It, it, it's a different thing than patriotism, Ambassador. It is. Uh, it obviously is. And just uh, a simple test. Just when you say that person is a nationalist, what are the historic figures that pop into your head? And uh, obviously it's Hitler. Because when somebody says the term nationalist and because I think of Adolf Hitler, I being a product of my education, my environment, my culture, the influences on my life up until this point, this very point when you ask me, because I think of Adolf Hitler when somebody says the word nationalist, well, I guess it's the same thing. I guess he must be. You don't have to answer me mm -hmm. right now, but to your viewers, just think about what that word right. does. To your, your notion of a dog whistle, the negative who pops in your mind? Ah, and the dog whistle once again. I don't know if, if anyone else is kind of getting sick of this excuse, the dog whistle. Apparently, dog whistle politics is kind of coded language that only a certain section of society can hear and the pundits who point it out. They have this special talent to take somebody's words and actually hear something else. I guess they implant, you know, the, the eardrums of the, of the Nazis and the racists into their own skull for the purpose of hearing this dog whistle that nobody else can hear, apparently. And then from that, they can infer all kinds of new and wonderful meanings, which they then express as assumed truth. Like Don Lemon, for example. He hears the word nationalist. He hears racist undertones. This guy hears the word nationalist. He hears Adolf Hitler and, you know, the Luftwaffe on bombing raids around Western Europe. He hears the term nationalist. He hears a dog whistle to white supremacy because that's what he feels when he hears the word. That's the emotional reaction he gets when he hears the word nationalism. Therefore, it must be true. When you hear the word nationalist. Uh, and then I, I think it's very important, the distinction you just made between patriotism and nationalism. Uh, it, you know, in social science, political science, we teach the difference between civic nationalism and ethnic nationalism. Right. And patriotism is about civic nationalism. I have a flag in front of my house right now. I'm a proud American. I want to see America perform well. Uh, but an ethnic nationalism divides our country. Uh, and when I was listening to the president, I heard him speaking in ethnic terms, not in patriotic terms. And <laughs> Did anybody else hear Donald Trump speak in ethnic terms? I certainly didn't. I didn't hear any mention of ethnic terms. He said, I'm a nationalist. In fact, if you go through Donald Trump's speeches, pretty much all of his rhetoric in regards to make America great again, we, are all, we all bleed red, white, and blue. 
We are one people under one flag. Where's, where's the dog whistle to ethnic nationalism here? And of course, again, China often held up as the great example. The, the, China is held up as the political and cultural model for the rest of the world moving into the new century by these people in the corporate press. An ethno-nationalist militaristic state. So what if you are a nationalist and you're on, on the Democrat side of the ledger? You're a proud American. You want to put American national interests first. I, I'm glad, uh, just a break, I'm, I'm glad he mentioned political science because, of course, the study of international relations and realism in political science is also, you know, the, the concept of nationalism is layered into the context that the world is um, a collection of nation states that are constantly vying for more power, more resources, more influence, and this is the way you need to approach international relations. Because although America is the world's superpower today, can people honestly say that other countries around the world aren't vying for more power? Or are we now to believe that it is the role of America to not only police the world, but to give up their wealth because nationalism is wrong, to give up their power and influence in the world because nationalism is wrong, whilst at the same time keeping other countries exactly where they are because nationalism is wrong? Is that the inference now? So third world countries can no longer climb because nationalism is wrong. Other countries around the world no longer have sovereign right over their own borders, for example, their own political decisions, their own trade decisions, because nationalism is wrong. Nationalism is bad. So again, I ask, what are patriotic Democrats to do now? The leadership of the Democrat Party today stands as an entity which is repulsed by national pride. It conflates your patriotism as racism and your love of sovereignty as bigotry and xenophobia. The media is now placing nationalist Democrats like the late JFK, for example, into the same box as neo-Nazis, ladies and gentlemen. If you think it couldn't get any weirder. Obviously, there are fears of complacency um, by some Republican allies of the president, by his base, and the hope is by stoking up this issue of immigration, he can help sort of bring them back to the polls in advance of the... <laughs> this is uh, Peter Alexander on MSNBC. These people are not strategists. For one, the accusation, Donald Trump is stoking up the issue of immigration to try and score some political point. Is Donald Trump marching the tens of thousands now of people up through Central America to the American southern border? Is that what he's doing? Is, is this all a ploy by the Republicans to, to win some political points at the next election? We know the Democrats don't want to talk about immigration. We've repeated this ad nauseum. Democrat strategists are desperate to have their candidates avoid the immigration debate entirely because they're getting absolutely slaughtered in the red states where the blue senators cannot afford to lose a single vote. The last thing they want to talk about is immigration. 
But of course, amidst a humanitarian quote-unquote crisis, a mass migration from South and Central America that is en route to the American border, the inference here is, well, Donald Trump's not supposed to say anything about it. The Republicans aren't supposed to talk about it. Maybe if we stick our head under the pillow and the covers over our heads, maybe the problem will just go away. But of course, all the Democrats can do in this moment because they don't want to engage in the debate of immigration itself, all they can do is accuse the Republicans of trying to stoke fear by even daring to talk about the issue, which they, of course, get absolutely smashed at in every debate in the lead up to the midterms. Let's carry on. Midterms. And Peter, can I ask you also about uh, his using the word nationalist, uh, saying, you know, out loud, I am a nationalist. How does saying the president kind of conceive of that term? Because it doesn't in many ways have racial undertones. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. I mean, undertones that are definitely not just racial, but xenophobic. How? This is xenophobic. something that the president sort of shied away from in the past, uh, obviously. How dare he say the word nationalist out loud? It's not only racist, it's xenophobic as well. You can't make this stuff up. So on the question of what do patriotic Democrats do about nationalism now? Found this article in the New York Times. The left needs its own nationalism. (laughs) The American left needs its own nationalism. It would obviously be a nationalism that rejected the racism and corruption of President Trump's version. Again, no examples. But it would still be a coherent story about how progressive policies would protect and promote the interests of Americans above all. The left's version of nationalism. And of course, as we highlighted before, there already are leftist governments which are highly nationalist around the world today. It's not an invention of the alt-right. It's not a stadium occupied only with Nazis. Nationalism is a term which is easily identifiable to most sane, rational people as putting your own country and the interests of your own country first, which you want all countries on earth to do. It is a recognition of the sovereign right of your nation to govern itself like you want for all countries around the world to do. And even people on the left understand this, except when it's politically convenient to do so, then it's just another Hitler reference. I tend to think, you know, we've spoken about this concept before, the concept of bipartisan nationalism, that future ideological battles and debates would be fought not along so much the lines of left and right, but more along the lines of nationalism versus globalism. The CNNs and the MSNBCs and the Huffington Posts of the world might have just given birth to bipartisan nationalism for the new era. And if you needed any further examples, ladies and gentlemen, that the mainstream corporate press was more aligned with the hard left identitarians of the world than the average citizen in the free world, here's Antifa chanting at a recent rally. No USA at all! 
No Trump, no wall, no USA at all. The very same USA that provides these people with the time, the money, the privilege of being in the richest class in the entire world. A country, remember, the United States itself was founded as a rejection of globalist imperial empires, namely the United Kingdom. The Revolutionary War was a manifested expression of nationalism. No USA at all. So get rid of all the borders. Dissolve sovereignty. Who needs it? Being outvoted by 1.2 billion Chinese people, that's not going to be a problem. I wonder if they'll give up their nationalism too. Perhaps maybe we can go through life viewing international relations and global politics with rose-coloured glasses on, assuming that everyone has the exact same sensibilities as the activists in the corporate media or the activists on the street beating drums demanding the end of nationalism as itself. But some might suggest that may be a tad unrealistic. Thanks for joining us, guys. If you want to keep up with the show, follow me on Twitter, at Boogie Bumper. Please become a subscriber if you enjoy, and if you would like to become a supporter, head over to patreon.com forward slash Boogie Bumper. Till next time, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.